It's rush hour inside Division 8 at Chicago's Cook County Jail. All of the jail's 10,000 detainees pass through here on their way in. Azar Robinson. And on their way out. Priscilla Washington. In the receiving area, new arrivals undergo a brief psychiatric evaluation. Ever try to kill yourself? No. Feel like killing yourself or anybody else today? No. That's good. Their answers will determine whether they're sent into the jail's general population or to a special mental health unit in a separate part of the jail. In the men's residential treatment unit, a small, beleaguered, but dedicated staff provides psychiatric treatment to about 800 detainees. For some, it's the first time they'll receive mental health treatment of any kind. How are you coping with being down here? So far, so good. It, uh, have its ups and downs. The goal here is to stabilize the detainees as they await trial. When they've served their time and are about to be released, most of them also get linked to some kind of help on the outside. The staff assists with their transition from jail to the free world. Good evening, my name is Colbert, and I'm from Harvey, Illinois, and I'm transferring from the county jail to uh, Ingalls Memorial Hospital in Harvey, Illinois, on the 155th and Wood Street. Colbert looks much older than 45. His beard is mostly gray, and he walks with a noticeable limp from having been beaten on his legs with a baseball bat a few years ago. He says the scars on his face are from getting hit with a metal gutter. He has long yellowed fingernails. His thumb and forefinger are stained and calloused from smoking cigarettes down to the very end. He sits in social worker Sarah Musa Rosario's tiny office, legs crossed. His right leg swings continuously up and down and his hands tremble, side effects from his medication. He has been diagnosed here with bipolar affective disorder with psychosis. Um, also alcohol dependence. In 1983, at the age of 29, Colbert was sent to a state mental hospital after being found not guilty by reason of insanity on an attempted murder charge. Since being released in 1990, he's been homeless, in and out of jail and psychiatric hospitals. I've been in jail every other month for the last 10 years. Out there drinking, breaking windows, breaking windows. smoking cocaine, yeah. I get a lot of patients who go in and out of psychiatric hospitals, back into jail, go out, and most of them are homeless. Dr. Stender Brar is the head psychologist on the residential treatment unit. And when it gets very cold, guess where they're coming? They're coming to jail because in jail, they're sure to pass the winter. When it gets 19, 20 below zero, mm -hmm. and you ain't got no place to go but an empty house with no windows in it, mm -hmm. you'll find it easier to come in here too. And then in spring, they'll be out, it's nice weather, everything is great. Then they turn right around and they come back. This is the cycle. The incident that landed Colbert in jail this time around was a theft charge. It took place at a liquor store in Harvey, Illinois, just south of Chicago. You took a beer? Yeah. I was stealing it. I just went in there and took it. They, they always messing with me, pouring water on me and stuff like that. That was in August. It's now late January, and Colbert is scheduled to be released in four days. All the other times he's been let out of jail, he's gone right back to the streets. This time, he's asked Musa Rosario for help. 
She coordinates the jail's linkage program, which tries to match released detainees with social services on the outside, things like housing and mental health treatment. All Colbert wants is a place to go, an apartment somewhere. Musa Rosario wants him to get psychiatric counseling and help with his drinking problem. These different agendas are already a source of friction between Colbert and the mental health workers. I'm really kind of confused because mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to be in a hospital like I'm a two or three-year-old baby, mm -hmm. you know. And all the programs, they ain't going to go all my life just program, 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 program program like I was just going to program the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. it, it ain't going on. When he's not in jail, Colbert receives a monthly social security disability check of about $1,000. But between booze, drugs, and people taking advantage of him because of his mental illness, he says the money doesn't last for more than a week or so. There's nothing left for rent or even food, so he lives in abandoned buildings and panhandles until his next check comes. Now, he tells Musa Rosario that life on the outside doesn't make much sense anymore. I'm treated better in, in the prison than I am on the street. Mm -hmm. From the environment I live in and the peoples yeah. that I know. Yeah. I think he's been pushed so far. You know, he's, he's really on the edge, you know. And, but something tells me that deep, truly deep inside, he'd rather be out there and rather be independent and rather not be involved with this legal system. So he's ready to make a change, and he's been demonstrating that since I, I first met with him. Musa Rosario's plan is for Colbert to go directly from jail to a short-term residential crisis center in Harvey. It's about 15 miles from the jail, and Colbert's main concern is how he's going to get there. You should, you should call and see if the pace bus running. You know what, I think they do on Sundays, but they, they have a schedule. It's these so little transportation details that can make all the difference and, and between a person getting help or winding up back on the streets. And, and you're right, that's a very good point, and I think we better make sure. Yeah. I can't walk but a block or oh, two. Oh, no, 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 no. And you know how to get there, right? So you don't need instructions yeah. how, to, how to get to Ingalls Hospital. If there's a role model for Colbert and other homeless, chronically mentally ill people caught up in the criminal justice system, it's Richard. Richard is 43 years old, short and slight, with an impish face. He's been arrested 137 times, mostly for petty crimes such as panhandling and trespassing. I would eat out of the garbage cans downtown. And I would trespass the train station, and I would be back and forth in the house correction. His diagnosis is schizophrenia, paranoid type, and um, he has good days and bad days. John Fallon is coordinator of demonstration projects for Thresholds, a nonprofit agency that works with the mentally ill. Richard was someone who wasn't going to take his medication. He was too disorganized to do it, and he didn't have a home. He had 13 brothers and sisters, but he had no contact with any of them any longer. He'd alienated them. He'd um, actually, at one point, had uh, stabbed his mother with a pair of scissors. The injuries weren't serious, and he returned back to home afterwards, but he was pretty unpredictable. Well, I was in all sorts of trouble then, depressed, delusioned, and had nowhere to go. and was very mixed up. Thresholds convinced the judge to put aside some misdemeanor charges pending against Richard and release him from jail to their custody. In exchange, Thresholds would find Richard a place to stay, a room at the Stratford, a single-room occupancy hotel on Chicago's north side. A Thresholds caseworker would visit Richard there every day, 
make sure he took his medication, that he was eating, keeping his room clean, and generally taking care of himself. It seemed like a simple plan, but Crampton Anderson, Richard's senior case manager, says it wasn't so easy at first. I believe the first day he was there, and the second day when we, we went back, uh, Richard could not be found. Richard would wander downtown to his old hangouts, the places he would go when he was homeless. But instead of arresting Richard, police would call Threshold's caseworkers who would come and pick him up. We would bring him back to the Stratford, then we would give him his medication, and we would say, we'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow would come and Richard wouldn't be there. It took months, but eventually Richard stopped going downtown every day. And when he did, he would come back to the Stratford at night. It's been almost a year since he's been arrested or hospitalized. This is how he describes his new life. Beautiful. I have $5 a day, clean clothes, food to eat, place to sleep, something to do. And lately, I've just been so glad to be alive. I feel blessed. Hey, Rich. So how you feeling? Did you do your room? Yeah, you did. We go in and okay, well, we make sure that his clothes are picked up and put away and that his carpet is as clean as possible. Richard has a habit of, for whatever reason, throwing cigarette butts on the floor. So a lot of times what we do, we sweep his room out for him or with him and we make sure that he cleans the sink and the toilet and um, that his bed is made up. It's a small, dingy room on the second floor of the Stratford. A bare light bulb hangs from the ceiling. Cigarette butts are scattered all over the floor and the bed. Well, Rich, I thought you said you were going to clean up a little bit. I am. You are? I'm cleaning the whole room. I don't know, Richard. Why? Where's your ashtray at, Richard? I got three ashtrays up there, but I ain't been using If you got three ashtrays, why are the cigarette butts on the floor? Uh-huh. Last night I didn't use it. Yeah? Yeah. Well, it looks like it's more than just last night, Richard, because... Yeah. Ooh. Oh, Richard, Richard, Richard. Crampton has Richard clean up the cigarette butts, then gives him his daily allowance of $5. That's for you. His medication. What you got there? Okay. And a dose of positive reinforcement. Richard, you have made a, a very good improvement. You're a joy to work with, and I just want you to continue uh, with your success. All right. Okay, well, just keep doing what you're doing. All right. And we'll be here for you. Okay. Okay. Crampton has learned that even though Richard's parents have been dead for years, Richard still believes they're alive. And he mentions often that, you know, his mother would be proud that he's living uh, in a, I won't say nice room, but he's off the street, that he uh, is taking his medication. Uh, and in a way, that may be a motivating factor for him to remain out of jail. Uh, as long as He's doing well, you know, I'm not going to try to fix it. Richard has been making steady progress, but there are still lots of reminders that his illness is never far away. So what you going to do today, Rich? Rich? Richard? Here I am. Near the end of Crampton's visit, Richard begins to zone out. Can't hardly cope. Can't hardly 
manifestation of the soul. He paces back and forth and talks to himself. But I do turn into water as God and be bad. Then he turns on his television and in a kind of trance begins clicking through the channels. So we've been talking to teenage. I'm your morning throne. Though we all know. Lived in a shoe. Crampton has seen this behavior many times before and isn't phased by it. Well, you know what, Rich? I enjoy hanging out with you and right. stay out of trouble, stay warm. Okay. All right, man. I'm proud of you, okay? All right. Okay. Okay, Crampton. Oh, that's Richard. Um, you know, some days he He's very lucid, and then on other days, he's in his own little world. And you got a little sense of him sneaking back into his own little world right there, so. But for the most part, Richard's doing very well. I guess as well as can be expected uh, with his diagnosis, he handles it well. And I really don't know if he understands how sick he really is. But in a way, that could be a good thing because if he would just sit and dwell on his illness, I guess he would really be depressed. January 30th, Colbert's release day. Gentlemen, ready? It's a snowy Sunday morning. Colbert has nothing to wear except jail clothes, so he picks out an outfit from the poor box, a knit cap, a Chicago Cubs sweatshirt, a pair of black jeans, a long tan overcoat with a fake fur collar, and brown tasseled loafers. Okay, gentlemen, if you follow me. I'm not excited, I guess out all the time. <laughs> Just another day. On his way out, he picks up his wristwatch, his one worldly possession. Stand there, and there. The watch is set to daylight savings time, which was in effect when he was locked up six months ago. Okay, gentlemen, take care of yourself. He limps out of the jail and into the slush of California Avenue. My legs hurt me so bad, but I make it. Uh, at least it ain't freezing out here. Colbert has been through this ritual so many times, he's got the bus schedule memorized. Catch the Blue Island to the Red Line, Blue Line, Red Line, Blue Line, 95th. Uh, from 95th, we catch the Harvey bus 352. Normally, Colbert would be headed back to the streets, probably an abandoned building. This time, he says, it'll be different. Because I got an effort to make it different this time. I always wanted to, but I ain't never had an alternative to make it better or nobody to uh, like uh, guide me, give me no assistance. Like that record say, everybody needs some help. Everybody needs somebody to lean on. Three buses and an L ride later, Colbert arrives at the crisis center in Harvey. Hi, Colbert. How you doing? Fine. <sighs> Emergency Mental Health Care Center is located in a tidy two-story brick building on the grounds of Ingalls Hospital. It's a 24-hour residential care unit that houses up to 14 people at a time. The average stay is about a week. Colleen O'Connor is a counselor at the center. Her first job is to make a psychiatric evaluation. Have you ever been psychiatrically hospitalized? Yes. Do you remember where you've been? Yes. Okay, where? I've been at Elgin. I've been at Montana. I've been at Chester. Colbert is homeless, which is not a good idea because um, 
he's not going to stay on meds unless somebody's monitoring him in a structured setting. So I'd like to look at finding him housing in more of a structured setting. Not per se a group home as much as an intermediate care facility. Because I feel in a group home, he still could um, resort back to his ways of self-medicating with alcohol. Probably my biggest problem was alcohol. Okay. I, I had an alcoholic problem. We, of course, know that he's had some anger management issues um, as he relayed the story of stabbing the sister with the fork. My sister, Cynthia, pulled some Kool-Aid over my head when I was a baby, and my sister Laverne was laughing, and I stabbed Laverne in the head with a fork, and Vern didn't have nothing to do with it. Okay, did you ever hit your wife when you were married? Hell yeah. You did hit your wife? I still do. So have you been brought up on charges of domestic violence? You got that right. Okay. I should have buried her. Not to have any um, guilt or um, concerns over um, domestic violence with the wife. Um, actually, in reality, answering with, I should have buried her. So we know there's some bitterness in that relationship. I should have OJ that hoe. <laughs> I think if um, Colbert did do something to his wife, I don't think he would feel that he was wrong for doing that. I think he would feel it's justified, just in the way that he felt it was justified um, to um, slice that guy with the razor blade um, that he had had the conflict with. And I cut him open like a pig. And did he die? Not that I know of. Okay. Counselors here hold out hope they can help Colbert, but they also know they face tough odds trying to break him out of the cycle he's been in for much of his life. I don't think it's that he doesn't necessarily care as much as that he's been going through this for over 20 years and it's become a way of life for him. Especially institutions have become a way of life for Colbert. And he seems like he's okay with that because he understands to be when he's on the streets, he's off the meds, he starts drinking again, the police will pick him up and then they'll put him in an institution because that's what he's done for his past 20, 25 years of his life. You're gonna have this bed here, Colbert. Uh-huh. Okay. okay. These two, of course, nobody's here right now, so it's just gonna be you and James. 4 p.m., and Colbert finally gets to lie okay. down and rest. His room is carpeted, comfortable, and quiet, a sharp contrast from the noisy steel and concrete surfaces of the place he left a few hours earlier. Uh, I feel it's all right. It's all right. At least I'm more relaxed than I would be out there in the street. Right now, I feel like I got it made in the shade. Because <laughs> uh, at least I'm out of Cook County Jail. One step, next step is to get my own place. I'll be all right there. Yep. Okay, it's group time. Group time. Monday, January 31st. Colbert spends most of his first full day on the outside in group therapy. My name is Slavka. My favorite flower is um, a daffodil. My name is Colbert, and my favorite flower is a lily. So what kind of issues uh, are you working on, Colbert? What disturbs me is when I'm drinking and think about what my wife did when I got locked up. I got locked up, I did 15 years, I come home, I got four babies, I wonder how she got them through the mail. You're telling us stuff that happened 15 years ago and I'm not getting a handle on what are you dealing with now? I don't think he ever resolved all those problems. I think he's still dealing with it. Deborah says it sounds like you haven't resolved any of that old stuff. You haven't let it go. How long are you going to hang on, Colbert? 
until the day I die. Well, that's that's a commitment you have made in your heart. So you don't want to get any better? Yep. I get better. Mm, harboring all I that resentment? I just gotta find somebody to talk to. And give me some good love. <laughs> and I'll be all right. Well, I don't see anybody uh, reacting very <laughs> happily to that. Okay. No, nobody in the room thinks that's going to be the solution, I don't think. I do. Well, I didn't talk enough for y'all turn. No, I'm actually, gone. Actually, I got to use the washer for oh. When she presents okay, her housing plan to Colbert, Counselor Colleen O'Connor's luck isn't any better. This would be a place where you could have your meals would be provided for you. You would have doctors there and nurses. You would no, make sure you take your meds. Like okay, where are you going? Well, I'd rather go to a shelter or something than to go for that, because okay. I'm going to tell you like it is. I ain't going to lie to you. Every once in a while, I'm going to take me a little drink or something. Uh-huh. That's just like being in a hospital, just like being in a nursing home. I don't want to be in no nursing home. Okay, but, but it's not a nursing home is what I'm trying to explain to you. It is a monitored, structured setting. Meals are provided for you, so you don't have to worry what about the I meals. What if I want to go out at night? Well, <laughs> I know. <laughs> that, I don't need no nursing home. No, 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 no. And that's why I like to have company. I like to have yeah. women. I like to have women spend the you know, night, and that's the kind of life I Here's the thing, too, though, Colbert. I mean, I'm not talking that even if you accepted this, who's saying that you have to stay there forever? At least tour the facility and see what you think about it before All you right. make up your we're, mind. We're talking with the other people, see, see okay. what they got to okay. sell. That's it. fair enough then, Elise. Okay. Thank you. But Colbert already has a plan of his own. I think by the weekend, I, I just gone and leave because I'm not going to be in no nursing home. I'll, I'll go on the street. I ain't going to die in no nursing home because I got too many peoples. I got churches and stuff I like to be at. This, this is just the life I like to live. Friday, February 4th, after five days at the crisis center, Colbert checks out against the advice of staff, Counselor Colleen O'Connor. And our concern, of course, is the medications. He was stable on them for a while, and now if he's not going to stay, you know, on the medication and go back to the drinking, he's going to probably end up in the same place where he's either arrested again or back in a hospital setting. But I guess that's Colbert's choice, so that's the sad thing about it, but at this time, that's where it stands. We don't really have much to stand on with him. It isn't long before Colbert returns to his other world and his usual ways and starts deteriorating fast. After leaving the crisis center, he heads to the village of Phoenix, Illinois, the next town over from Harvey, to see town clerk Johnny Lane. In the past, when Colbert cashed his $1,000 a month social security disability check, Johnny Lane would hold some of the money in safekeeping, sort of an informal banking arrangement. That's what happened last August. He had given me, before he was incarcerated, he had given me some money to hold for him. He had given me $500. So he came in and said that uh, he needed all of his money because he needed to get a place to stay and that they had taken him off of the disability and he was not receiving any more checks. He said, I need my money to get a place to live. He said, I need all of it, so I gave it to him. He was dressed neatly, nice and clean, coherent. The next day I saw him. He was without a coat. He had on the line into the coat rather than the coat. And he said, Miss Lane, I'd like to speak to you. <laughs> I need some money. I said, Colbert, now you know better. I can't give you my money. 
So he cussed me out and he left. Today, Colbert is back at Phoenix Town Hall, acting like he has many times in the past. The custodian has orders to keep him out. This is the way he usually is when he's uh, in this condition, yes. That's not unusual. Everybody, everybody in the community know him. So they just brush him aside and let him go on, speak the way he does, do what he do. He, I don't think he would harm a fly. Uh, to my knowledge, I've never known him to harm anyone. I think it's just that he gets in that condition and he just uses foul language. They don't care what he say or who he say it to. Colbert is wearing the same knit cap and tasseled loafers he had on when he left the jail 10 days earlier. But the rest of his wardrobe is different and worse for wear. He's toting a bottle of King Cobra malt liquor. So Colbert, tell me what's been going on since I saw you last. I wish. What? What happened when you left the crisis center? I don't know. You took off? I don't know. How are you feeling? I don't know. Ask no questions, I'll tell you no lie. It's family business. Where you been staying? I don't know. Around. I wish there were something or that could be done to uh, better his condition. I have no idea at this time what it could be, um, but I hate to see him or anyone else in the condition he's in and, in, and without a place to uh, call home. The 28 is C. Charles 7956863. At Phoenix Police Headquarters, Chief Daryl Neal is also at a loss as to what to do about Colbert. He says arresting him for minor crimes like trespassing or disorderly conduct doesn't help. If the weather's inclement, <clears throat> we've let him stay in the, in the station or let him sit, in the, uh, sit inside to keep from getting wet or freezing to death. We've even had to sit him down for his own good. Sometimes he's standing in the middle of the street in direct traffic or something where he could get hit. And we take him and sit him inside for a while till he cools off. Advocates for the mentally ill want cops to be trained to identify people like Colbert so they can channel them into mental health clinics and treatment centers instead of jails. Such training has been done in a few cities, but in most places, like Phoenix, Illinois, the police are on their own. He's not a bad guy. He's not a bad guy. He's a good fella. I don't know what the source of his problem is, but I sure wish we could do something about it because maybe once he's straight, he could become a real productive member of society. But without adequate care and help, there's another person that's lost. February 25th, it's Richard's one-year anniversary of being arrest-free. The staff of Threshold throws a party for him at a Chuck E. Cheese pizza parlor. Put your hands together, everyone, for the world's greatest mouse, Chuck E. Cheese. As kids celebrate their birthdays nearby, Richard and fellow Threshold's clients and staff sit around a table eating pizza. Threshold's coordinator, John Fallon. We're pretty proud of the work that Richard's done in terms of staying out, uh, but it's required that we visit him every day. Uh, we bring him a daily allowance. We take him with us to do his laundry. We've also involved him as part of our lives, and I think that's important. We've become his family. 
and we love you. And uh, I hope we'll all enjoy some cake. The first of many. Okay? You want to say anything, Richard? Do you want to say anything to the group? <laughs> How do you feel, Richard? I feel fine and great. Speak up, Richard. Speak up. Feel fine and great, and I'm happy and... Said thanks very much about the anniversary celebration. Okay, we'll give him a hand. All right. For Richard, the revolving door that for years spun him from jail to psychiatric hospitals to the streets and back to jail again has stopped for one year. Taxpayers can celebrate too. It costs about $75 a day to keep Richard locked up at Cook County Jail, but only about $25 a day to help him stay out. He's a success story perhaps the success story for a pilot program that currently serves only 14 people on Chicago's north side. Even as they celebrate, Threshold staff members realize how rare this kind of outcome really is. There's too many Richards uh, in the world, too many Richards without help. Um, Richard is one of the lucky ones, to be honest with you. Yeah, Richard is one of the lucky ones. Bye, Richard. All right. Congratulations. Thanks. Bye, honey. Thanks for the party. We got a yo-yo. We'll see you next time.